The following conversations were recorded in front of a live audience at the Thanks a Million Buck Hall of Fame Gala in Kansas City, hosted by Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick and author Joe Posnanski. Thanks a Million Buck was the most apt way to celebrate and remember this legendary man as we embark on this next phase. I call it a beginning. And I know it's hard to be a beginning when you're 32 years old as the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum is. But folks, this is a beginning. It is the beginning of a new phase of growth for this organization. I hope you guys will come along with me for the ride because I know who's driving this bus. Oh, Buck O'Neill. We're going to sit back with a few of Buck's friends to reflect on the legacy of Buck O'Neill, Buck O'Neill the man, Buck O'Neill the baseball player, Buck O'Neill the grand ambassador, with one of the black aces, the great Dave Stewart, former major league manager Bo Porter, and a guy that Buck O'Neill said could have played in the Negro Leagues, the exciting all-star Kenny Locke. You know, you know, something I really liked uh, that, that Tony was talking about was having a style of play yeah. that really engages not just young African-Americans, all young all people, people, right? Yeah. And that's so much a part of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. I mean, that's, when you walk through this museum, one of the things, it's, you know, people think, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to see, it's going to be sad, and mm-hmm. it's the opposite of that. No. And all you really feel is the joy that these guys had playing baseball yeah. and and the style that they played, yeah. the exciting style that they played. And, and that's why I think it was such a fan favorite. As Buck O'Neill would say, Tony, you couldn't go to the concession stand because you might miss something that you ain't never seen before. Yeah. That's what they brought to the game. They brought a level of flair. That doesn't mean that they didn't play sound, fundamental baseball. But when you add a level of athleticism to fundamentals, you get excitement. Yeah, you get Willie Wells. Yes. Yeah, you get cool Papa Bell. You get Oscar Charleston. And and that's the legacy of a Henry Aaron and a Willie Mays as they would continue that process. And so they understood that the game was entertainment. Well, that's that's the exciting part about the Negro Leagues that I think, not to say, you know, it's – now it's so much about winning and so much about business and so much about, you know, that's just baseball. It's such a big business. But could you imagine, you know, Satchel Paige walking the bases loaded <laughs> so he could face Josh Gibson in the World Series? Could you imagine? Uh, like, literally the world would melt if, like, if, like Houston <laughs> is playing Philadelphia and they're like, we're going to walk the bases loaded to face Bryce, Bryce Harper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to tell you what I'm going to throw you. <laughs> and then I'm going to tell him what yeah, I'm going to tell throw. you what I'm going to throw you. So uh, it probably would never happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but, but there's so much to learn from that, I think. I really do. Please join me, guys, in welcoming someone who, none of these guys are strangers to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Former manager, former Major League Baseball manager of the Houston Astros, Mr. Bo Porter. One of the, one of the great big game pitchers in Major League Baseball history. He won two World Series titles. I think he was MVP in the World Series. He was, he was scary is what he was. Yeah. He was scary. And, and he, he pulled, he pulled the hat down. down and gave you and, the glare. And, and then when you meet him, he is like the nicest guy <laughs> in the world. Please welcome my friend Dave Stewart. 
and a guy that Buck O'Neill absolutely loved because he loved the fast guys. Yes. Yeah, he loved the fast guys, and, and this guy could flat out run. One of my favorite parts of the video, our feature film at the museum, there's Kenny Lofton climbing the wall to make a catch and made it look so easy. He was a tremendous athlete. Great player. Great basketball player. Great basketball great player. Great baseball player. Should be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Join me in welcoming Mr. Kenny Lofton. Boom. And, and I failed to mention this is my friends over at Sirius XM Radio. Chris Eno and my producer of Black Diamonds, Brady Gardner, are here tonight. I don't know where you guys are seated, but please stand up and be recognized. They helped create this podcast. I had no idea what I was getting myself into when they called me to ask me to do this. But this thing has taken on a, a, a new life of its own. And we're thrilled to have the partnership of Sirius XM that is now making the museum recognized worldwide. And when I say worldwide, I mean worldwide. I got a letter from a young man from Israel who says he listens to Black Diamonds every week and it gets him through his week. And we did an episode with Daryl Strawberry, very powerful episode with Daryl Strawberry where he was very candid about his discretions and how he went from being a star to hitting rock bottom to now this reclamation that he is going through now to reclaim his life in a minister in St. Louis. And in that interview, I said something that apparently resonated with this young man in Israel who had just lost his grandmother. And I, and I said, you can use your circumstances as a crutch or you can use them as a ladder. And I think the players in the Negro Leagues decided that they would use their circumstances as a ladder to rise above what was going on. And it was just so moving, the letter that he wrote me. And, it, and I think Chris and Brady, at that point, I knew we had done something special. But at that point, it really hit home for me. And so guys, it's, it's a great thrill to have each of you back here. And, and I'm gonna ask each of you the same question. And, and the question is simple. <laughs> when I think about Buck, if you've had the opportunity to be around him, which Bob, you've spent a great deal of time around him. From the minute you are in his company, he immediately puts a smile on your face. He tells tremendous stories about anything and everything that's happened in the Negro Leagues baseball in his life. And he's got some pretty good jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think about when I think about Buck. Bo, when you think about Buck O'Neill. When I think about Buck O'Neill, one word comes to mind, and it's champion. And when you, when you look at everything that has transpired here tonight, Buck is smiling because he's still winning, and it's because he's a champion. People think that a champion is someone who just wins. A champion is a champion because they continue to fight even when they don't win. And it's because of Buck O'Neill's fighting spirit that we are actually here tonight celebrating this great museum. And he's, but he was able to pass everything in which he went through, he was able to pass it along through his stories, through the people in which he impact. One of my mentors told me a story a long time ago. He said, there was a very successful man that made it to the top. 
And when he got to the top, he sent the elevator back down. When the elevator came back up, it was empty. And he was shocked and disappointed and said, why didn't all these people, why didn't anybody get on? So he decided to get on the elevator and go back down. And then he brought people back up with him. He was very successful. When he died, he gets to heaven and he says, God, did you know there were so many people out there that needed your help? Why didn't you send somebody? God said, I did. I sent you. So when I think about Buck, I think about someone who understood his purpose and his call. And that's why we're here tonight. Yeah. There you go. Beautiful. Oh, that's a lot. Um, when I think about Buck, I think about um, knowledge and uh, understanding about the Negro Leagues, because that's what we talked about all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, he said, Kenny sent me this wonderful picture of a very, he still looks like a baby, but, uh, <laughs> but he sent me this wonderful picture of him there at Kauffman Stadium, standing next to Buck O'Neill, and that was Buck sharing that wisdom as he wanted to do with every ball player that came in, but particularly the African-American ball players, no matter whether they were playing for the Royals or not, Buck wanted to meet you. He wanted to meet you, and he wanted to encourage you. He wanted you to know that we appreciated you being there, and you're right. He wanted you to know about the, the Negro Leagues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was always fun. So. Well, and I think what Buck loved were people that wanted to listen to him, right? The people that wanted to, to be around him and spend time. You, you guys all heard Tony talk about what responsibility did you feel to sort of keep, you know, this museum is, is telling stories about players who played 75, 100 years ago, and yet, we know their legacy carries through with all these players. How much did you think about that as a player when you were out there? Well, with me, speaking with Buck O'Neill constantly when I came into uh, Kansas City, he made sure, he'll tell some of the ball kids, make sure you get Kenny Lofton to come out here. And I talked to him all the time, and he's kept telling me, you reminded me of cool Papa Bell. <laughs> you know, so that was my thing, and he said, Kenny, you are one of the players in this day and age would have been able to play in the Negro Leagues. Your style of play and how you played the game is the prototypical of what the Negro League players did when they came up. So every time he saw me, he said, you know what, I could have played with you because you are one of the players, the type of players that were part of the Negro League. So that's something that always resonated with me when we spoke and he just kept telling me, you would have played in the Negro Leagues. Yeah. That's his greatest compliment. It is the greatest compliment. That was the compliment greatest compliment that he had yeah. to offer. Yeah, yeah no, our, our good friend Dave Winfield said the same thing when he was around those Negro League players, and for them to look at him and say, you know what? You could have been one of us. You could have played yeah. with us. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. is the ultimate compliment. It's amazing. Yeah, Bo, Bo, and, Bo and Dave, what about, what about your thoughts about, you know, Bo as, as a manager, you know, and then Dave obviously, you know, uh, as as a ace pitcher, what kind of responsibility did you feel as far as just keeping the legacy going? Well, from my end, and this is one that you missed, Bob, uh, I played with the Dodgers in 81 and won one, two. <laughs> so I had three, brother. <laughs> I don't want to start changing, brother. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you come into the Dodgers organization, I, I came into the Dodgers organization in 1975, and... Um, I met Roy Campanella, one of the first people I met, and then after that I met Don Newcomb. And then Jim, Jim Gilliam was on our major league staff as uh, our first base coach. And so when I came in to the Dodgers organization in 75, 
I was the only black pitcher in the minor leagues. And Al Downing was the only black pitcher at the big league level for us. Um, when I got a chance to talk to Roy and Nuke, um, they told me about you know, coming into the major leagues um, from the Negro Leagues and stories about you know, Buck and Jackie and just the whole story. And so you know, it's crazy because I actually had a chance to share my experiences um, when I was in the Dodgers organization and some of the things that I'd gone through being the only black pitcher in the minor leagues. And um, these are some of the things, you know, we can get discouraged oh. as black players, black executives, black coaches, we can get discouraged. And um, the truth is, I always share the fact that we all know that Jackie Robinson endured more than we did. And we have to practice humility and we have to practice patience. And um, those are the things that were shared to me by Nuke in particular because Nuke Don was a, was a pitcher. I was a pitcher and we had the opportunity to really talk about, you know, our position in particular, which there are fewer black pitchers in baseball than outfielders and infielders. And so um, those are the things that I remembered. Um, those are the things that he talked about. They talked about Jackie. But more importantly, they, we really got, I did get some great lessons and great words personally from Buck by being having the opportunity to be around him um, as much as I did uh, before his passing. Yeah. Great words, great words, Stu. And I'll, I'll, pick, I'll pick up right where he left off. Yes, the opportunity is something that we all know that we're very grateful for, but it also makes you realize that you should never take it for granted because we're standing on the shoulders of men that gave their lives for us to have the opportunity that we have today. So each and every day you get to be a part of this game, whether it's an executive, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, a manager. If, if you're a part of this game in any facet, we all know that there was a point in time where we were not allowed to be a part of this game. So for me, it's just never taking it for granted. Yeah. No, and, and it's, 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 it's amazing because that is such a, it's such a vital part of this game. I've heard so many of you all talk about it in the past, what the veteran player did for you, particularly the veteran African-American ball player. You never had to buy a meal. They usually bought you a suit, all these kinds of things. And then each of you took on that same role with the next wave. And that's all part of that legacy, that winning spirit and legacy of the Negro Leagues. Guys, I can't thank you all enough for coming out to be here as part of Buck's Hall of Fame celebration. Kenny and Stu, of course, are in our Hall of Game. And if you weren't aware, we are working with Stu and our friends from the Nashville Stars to try and bring expansion Major League Baseball to Nashville. And if we're successful, let me say that again. When we're, when we're successful, successful. The team will be called the Nashville Stars, named and become the first major league team that ever carried a Negro Leagues team name. And we're super excited about this effort. And, and Stu was brought in. Our goal is to have majority minority ownership, the first time since the Negro Leagues. So we've got some exciting things that we're working on. Mm -hmm. Guys, it's great to see you. Thank you for being here. Dave Stewart, Bo Porter, and Kenny Lofton. Okay.
Help continue the legacy of Hall of Famer Buck O'Neill by visiting thanksamillionbuck.com. With one million donations of just a single buck or more, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum can move closer to completion of the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center on the historic site of the Paseo YMCA, where the Negro Leagues were born in 1920. We'll teach not only the stories of Negro Leagues baseball, but also math and science through the lens of baseball history in the spirit of baseball's greatest ambassador, Buck O'Neill. Log on to thanksamillionbuck.com and donate today. Every buck counts. And I'm also excited to announce tonight, and Stu talked about how he was the only African-American pitcher in the minor leagues. Well, next year marks the 75th anniversary of the legendary Leroy Satchel Page joining then the Cleveland Indians That's right. and helping Cleveland win the World Series in 1948. I know you're a Cleveland fan, and my Cleveland fans get tired of hearing me say that was the last time yeah, they won it. the that's World it. Series yeah, that's the last time. was in 1948. That's right. Yeah, led by Satchel and Larry Doby. And Larry Doby. And Larry yeah. Doby. And so next year we are creating a brand new exhibition that not only celebrates Satchel, but all of the black aces. And of course, my dear friend, the late, great Jim Mutcat Grant created a group. There are only, I believe, 15 African-American pitchers to win 20 games or more in Major League Baseball history. And we're going to highlight not only them, but the great pitchers of the Negro Leagues who did not get an opportunity. Satchel got there, he was an old man. Yeah. And he was still dazzling as an old man. Yes. Yeah, so that's coming up next May. Again, just a great example of the great work that we're doing to educate people and to celebrate this wonderful piece of history. Now, it is my pleasure to bring two more friends to the stage. <laughs> and then we're going to bring Lakeside out here. But I can't go through this night without having these two guys because they are connected to Buck O'Neill at the hip. Buck O'Neill signed Ernie Banks. He signed Lou Brock, both in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He also signed a guy that I hope will one day get into the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and he's one of our next guests. Please join me in welcoming the great Joe Carter. And, he, and, and he's also one... He's also one heck of a golfer. Yeah, yeah he's one heck of a golfer. And, and the other Hall of Famer that is on Buck's resume is a guy that he found, I believe, down in Louisiana. <laughs> and, and, and he always called him Lee Arthur. Lee Arthur. I don't know if anybody but maybe his parents called him Lee Arthur. But Buck always called him Lee Arthur, and no one could say Lee Arthur <laughs> like Buck O'Neill. Please join me in welcoming Hall of Famer Lee Arthur Smith. <laughs> hey man, it's great to see you both. And particularly on an occasion like this, you all knew Buck as well as anyone. He scouted you, he signed you, so I'm going to ask that same question. Lee, when you think about Buck, what comes to mind? And I don't, I don't know where to start. 
because uh, it's so amazing. When I hear you call my name Lee Arthur, he was the only one that called me Lee Arthur and my mother, but I was in trouble with her most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with Buck, man, I always have these things that come out of my mind that he always said to me, boy, treat people the way you want to be treated. And I, that's the way I, I've lived that, man, for all of my life with him. But Buck on the field, he was, everybody thought Buck had that easy streak all the time, but if he saw where you weren't putting out, he had a way to get his point over to you. <laughs> but, but for uh, Buck O'Neill, man, what, just seeing him get into the Hall of Fame is really, really amazing. But I, I think he got there before 2022 because uh, in 19, when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, I think Buck was there. I could feel it. There's him. no question. Yeah, he, no he question. was there, he was, man. He, he and, was so and, proud. Um, I, I just, like, just felt that, him being there and being a part of that for me. And it took me a long time so to take Buck. But I tell you what, man, it just the things that he did not have anything to do with baseball. I'm not talking about all of his legacy that he has has nothing to do with baseball with me. The person that he was and the impact that he put on people when he met you. Joe, when you think about Buck. Well, for me, the, um, the biggest thing I think about when I think of Buck's name is being thankful. Thankful for what he went through. Thankful for what he endured to open the door for guys like me. And Buck would sit there and tell you story after story after story. And they all had meaning because we, he, they had paved the way for a guy like me, a, a black ball player like me, to be able to play in the big leagues. And he didn't want you to shortchange the game. He wanted you to go out there and play your best every single game and play it to the best of your God-given ability. And that's, that's what Buck did. That's what the Negro Leagues did, all the players did. They played for fun. You know, we played and, and made, a, made a little money, you know, on the side. But they did it for fun when there was nothing else. And so he wanted to instill that in us and had it, you know, it's like believe this and never forget this. And when you put that uniform on, it is a blessing to put that uniform on every single day. And every day I put the uniform on, I had fun. You know, we all got to know Buck O'Neill, the speaker, the storyteller. You guys got this very special thing, which is you got to meet Buck when you were very young. You had not gotten to the major leagues yet. He scouted you. What was Buck the scout like? Because cause I've heard people talk all the time about how they'd be looking in there like, there's Buck O'Neill. Everybody knew he was. What was it like to be scouted by Buck O'Neill? I tell you what, playing at Wichita State and, uh, you know, the first time I met Buck, I think we were playing down in Emporia State. And the guys on my team said, hey, there's Buck O'Neill right behind home plate. I'm like, oh, that's Buck? And so you want to show out for Buck. You want to, you want to do well for Buck. And so he scouted me, scouted me my three years in college. And I remember, and we became very close friends. And so, you know, back then, you know, they wanted to get an idea of what it would take to sign you. And so I knew I was going to go somewhere in the first round, and the Cubs had the second pick in 1981. And Buck kept saying, okay, Joe, what's it going to take to sign you? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you, you know, because if I, if I say it's too much, then you're not going to draft me. I said, wait until... I see who gets drafted, then I'll let you know how much I want. 
And Buck, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and so, sure and lo and behold, the Cubs did draft me. I was the second player picked in the draft. And as soon as I got drafted, I get a call from Buck. And uh, Buck said, well, we got you now, Mr. Carter. He said, uh, okay, what do you want? And I told him. He said, oh, no, we can't give you that. <laughs> no, we can't give you that. I said, he said, I said, well, Buck, then you need to get somebody in here who can give me that. <laughs> and, and so long story short, I sit out for a week, and, and Buck comes in, um, with, and we had dinner with uh, the scouting director, was V.D. Hemsel, yep. and they come in, and so they're talking to me. We had dinner. My wife and I sat down and had dinner. And we go to the room afterwards. And so V.D. Hemson go, okay, Joe, what's it going to take to sign you? And Buck is behind V.D. and he's, he's holding up fingers <laughs> as far as what the numbers were to ask for. And so, Tony, you know, right now, if I was the second player picked, I could retire for life just on that contract. But in 1981, you know, Buck said he, he put up one, two, and zero. And he said, ask for $120,000. And I'm like, what? I'm like, look. And he said, one, two, zero. So being the negotiator I am, I said, I'll take 125 Because <laughs> I wanted to get an extra in case I had to go down. And they said, okay, we'll give you 125 and So And so Buck was like, okay, way to go, Joe. <laughs> well, uh, for myself with Buck, I, um, uh, it was really my first love. I, got, I can't lie to you, it was basketball. And Buck always was like, boy, you're going to get hurt out there on that basketball court, right? <laughs> so he, he didn't want me to go out and play. So I, I never forgot, I'm pitching this game, and Buck comes down there, and the, Cliff was a kid for, uh, uh, for Pelican All-Stars. I don't know how everybody found him either, but, <laughs> but they was down there, and they're looking at this guy, and he's pitching, and they're like, man, that guy's right there. It's pretty good. And Buck O'Neill looks at me, and he said, well, so who's the other guy? That was me. <laughs> so Buck, that's the thing with Buck, and he see that something in you that you don't see, or you don't know that's in there for you. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, Joe, we won't talk about Buck because we're uh, giving you advice. Buck told me to ask for 10. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Buck, and I, there's a, this guy, I'm, I'm pretty sure Buck played against was Eddie Matthews they, when, they, when they had the, uh, uh, the Negro League teams in Milwaukee all the time. And, I, and uh, Eddie Matthews, I talked to him, and Joe Adcock, which lived not too close to me. And so I'm like, I go there and say, hey, uh, Joe Bill, um, Buck O'Neill tells me I should sign for 10000 And he says, where were you picked in the nation? I'm like, man, I thought I was going to the Army. I didn't know about the draft. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he said, you tell him to give you 50000 are you going to go to college and play basketball? So I go back next day. Buck shows up. I say, hey, uh, Joe Bill said for them to give me, <laughs> <laughs> me 50000 I'm going to college. And Buck says, okay, boy, let's go. We're going to Florida, man. So that, that was my, my running with Buck O'Neill. <laughs> and, and, and both of you had tremendous careers. Lee, Lee is one of the greatest Relievers Absolutely. ever. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and I don't know why it took so long. Exactly. But it finally got there. Yes. And, and of course, Joe, we know you hit more than one home run. <laughs> we do know that. Yeah, we do know. You know, because he did. He hit a bunch of home yeah. runs, but of course, he hit one very magical mm. home run. And it's every kid in the backyard 
that when you play in the backyard by yourself or hit that walk-off home run to win a World Series. And, and I can hear the announcer every time. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Touch them all, Joe. Touch them all, Joe. Touch them all, Joe. <laughs> and, and to see the yep. youthful exuberance of you circling the bases after hitting one of the most famous home runs in Major League Baseball history, what did it feel like? Uh, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are, you, are, are you kidding me? It, it was a, a dream come true because, like you said, every kid's little dream, dream for that. And that was my dream, to always hit a home run to win the World Series. It was always going to be game seven, you know, bases loaded you down by three, but I'll take game six yeah. and you yeah. and you and you down by a run. But the thing is, it goes back to what you know a lot of my hitting coaches taught me, Bobby Bonds, the late Bobby Bonds, and what Buck would always say, always be ready. Always be ready when that time comes up. And I could not wait for that time to come up because, you know, I live for those moments and I was not afraid and when Hey, when the pitch came in, I'm like, it's two guys on base. I say, this is my time. I looked at the catcher and said, you know, the seven, sixth game of the World Series, I'm like, man, this is fun. <laughs> you know, and he's sitting there nervous. I'm like, this is fun. Stu was there. Stu and Stu, in fact, Stu pitched that game. And uh, so I thank you for, for letting him get a few runs so that could happen. So I, I owe it all to you, Stu. <laughs> yeah, damn. Okay. Okay, oh, but, but to hit a home run to win the World Series, um, it, it's something that, that I'll live, I'll think about for the rest of my life. But it's a moment that, you know, I thank God every single day and every time I hear about it and see it in the history of the game. It's, it's next year. Yeah. Wow. So um, mm. it's uh, well, something only happened yeah. twice in the history of the game. It's, it's incredible. When you hit the home run, you obviously knew you had done something incredible and, and you've obviously the joy. When did you realize that literally every single day for the rest of your life, somebody was going to ask you about it? Um, I did realize that. Uh, I think, uh, you know, baseball puts you on a pedestal, but when you get home, you get knocked off that pedestal. <laughs> and and, and we, had, we, had, we had the, we had the, the, uh, the parade the next day. The next day I fly home. And the next day, my wife says, uh, hey, you need to take that trash out. You need to do this. I'm like, can I sit here and just bathe in the yeah, glory of the World Series, Series home run? She says, no, the kids got to go to school. You got you to go to work. Hey, hey Bobby, I, I, I got to tell you a quick story right, uh, about myself and Joe Carter. He's with um, Cleveland Indians, and I'm with Boston Red Sox. And he's going down to, like, pretty close to the end of the season. It's the last day of the season. <laughs> so he's sitting on like 99 RBIs, you know, and I think he's got to be the first player in the history of the Cleveland Indians to get 100 RBIs five, six years in a row. Yeah. And he comes over to our locker room and he says, hey, Smitty, I need one ravey, man. He said, just, you face me tonight. I need, a two. Yeah, I need a two. Yeah, I need a two. Like, hey, just let me one in there. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I, I ended up getting to face him that night. He's sitting looking for the fastball. First pitch, slide on the black. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what up, man? He throw 98 miles an hour, and he going to throw everything outside. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so I end up like, well, I got to give him a fastball. And I was, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm blowing him kisses and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I threw him fastball right down the middle. No, it he was had, outside okay, on the black. Right down yeah, the middle. on the black. It's not my fault. He don't have enough power to hit it out. <laughs> <laughs> and Ellis Burks like gets the ball like right against the wall, man. I hit it, like, to, hey, I hit it to center field. I thought it was a two-run homer to get to 100 RBIs, but I mean. This guy is six foot eight, you know, hands this big and throws 100 miles an hour, and he's trying to paint the black on me. I'm like, come on, bro, it's the last game of the season. So I fly down to deep center field, came within inches, and that was, I was stuck on 98. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Lee Arthur. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you can see why Buck had such great love for these two young men. I know he's smiling up there, Lee. Yeah, yeah, I know he is. Yeah. He's so proud of both of you all. Y'all give it up for Lee Arthur Smith and Joe Thank Carter. You. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Joe, let me keep going out first. If you enjoyed these stories and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Diamonds is also available on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcast. For more information on the Negro Leagues and the legends of the game, please check out our website, nlbm.com, and follow us on Twitter at NLBMuseumKC. Black Diamonds is part of the SiriusXM podcast network and is hosted by me, Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Additional voiceovers provided by Darnell Samuels. Editing and sound design by Rob Moore. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and Vice President of Sports Programming, Chris Eno. SiriusXM Podcasts.